I'm a physician. Yes, that's considered to be a noble profession. But are my acts courageous? You know, what is the moral impact of the work that I do? Hey guys, welcome to Resiliency Rounds. And in our episode today, we're going to be talking about courage. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm waiting for you for the standard leadoff question, Anish. <laughs> All so right, before Eddie. We get, before we get started, Eddie. <laughs> no, you know, this time I don't have a standard leadoff question, but I do have a scenario. And I've, uh, ever since uh, we had that initial conversation, I've always thought of this scenario. It, it, this is a famous scene in the movie 300, right? where uh, Leonidas uh, and his 300 are headed towards the hot gates for the Battle of Thermopylae. They meet with another group, and this group is going to join the 300 and go towards the hot gates. We heard Sparta was on the warpath. The leader of the other group asks Leonidas, you know, how come uh, Sparta could only produce 300 uh, for this cause? You bring only this handful of soldiers against Xerxes? See, I was wrong to expect Sparta's commitment to at least match our own. And uh, Leonidas then goes up uh, to the group and asks you. people individually yeah. and says, uh, you boy, you well, what do you do? I'm a potter. And you, Arcadian, what is your profession? Sculptor, sir. Each one of them gives a vocation. Uh, says, I'm a, I'm a blacksmith, I'm a butcher, I'm a, I'm a farmer. And he turns back toward uh, uh, his men and says, Spartans! Spartans! What is your profession? You see, old friend, I brought more soldiers than you did. I used to look at that situation and I was like, man, look at Leonidas, he's right, you know, what a badass. But after we started having the discussion, I'm like, you know, yes, uh, those, uh, the other group of folks who showed up, they showed up to fight, just like the Leonidas 300 did. Um... They weren't forced to come to fight. They wanted to fight because they knew what's at stake. So the question is, who has more courage? It's an interesting question because now it brings to the fore the concept of courage. Like, what is courage? What are the key pieces of courage? And when you deconstruct courage, what are the things that seem to be commonalities across all the different contexts and scenarios that you could potentially imagine somebody demonstrating courage? In my own deep exploration of this, in my own reading, and in my conversations with you, I've arrived at some really surprising conclusions about courage. And spoiler alert, I would, say, I would make the argument that the farmer who's there to fight for a worthy cause is demonstrating more courage. Because for them, the fear that they have to overcome is significant. They per probably perceive a larger sense of fear than the uh, Spartan who was born and bred uh, to battle and probably has ideas of glory. Their sense of peril, I would argue, is gonna be much larger than the Spartan, but he's still gonna do this anyway. And he knows that the odds for himself are low, but that does not matter because there is a sense of altruism. There's a sense of purpose. He's not fighting for himself. He's fighting for a larger good. And so then, in three contexts, 
the freedom of will, the risk, and to the, the cause, their bravery completely overshadows the Spartans. Man, right? that's, yeah, that's exactly right. I think you and me feel exactly the same way about it. It's ironic because when you watch that scene, you're right. right you watch that movie scene. It's like, oh, you know, Leonidas, <laughs> man, what a badass. He's got 300 soldiers. And then he, you know, the, Leonidas chides the, uh, the others for bringing farmers to battle. But, hey, these yeah. farmers, you know, for them, this is a huge deal. This is a much more massive leap of faith. And their risk is much more bleak. Right. Than that of the Spartans. They're not trained fighters, but they still went on to do the act. So that brings us to uh, the definition of courage, or one of the definitions of courage, or the cur- one that you and me both agree on. One of the main f- uh, aspects or attributes of a courageous act is a sense of peril or fear. So a person undertakes an, an activity knowing full well the danger or the peril or the fear that goes with that particular act and he proceeds anyway courage is not the absence of fear but it is in it is it's an action in the presence of fear despite fear and with full acknowledgement of the fear and uh, and that's where i think it is different from uh, just a a rash act or a fearless act. Uh, When someone is fearless, that's different from someone who's courageous. Um, Because the difference between the two is that the one who's fearless does not understand the risk involved or is not fearful and so doesn't have to overcome any of these obstacles to perform the act. But the one who was, which in this case could be the Spartan. The Spartan thinks of himself as a well-trained, probably the most elite warrior. And he's not worried about the enemy that he's going to face. Yes, he, he, he is worried about the magnitude. They knew that they're going to face a large enemy. But uh, not it, they, were, they never doubted their own prowess. They felt that they could take these folks on. They had a plan. They knew about the, the hot gates, the narrow pass at Thermopylae. And they knew that they're going to use tactics to, uh, to lead these Persians to their death. And they knew exactly what needs to be done. And, and you talked about uh, recklessness and rashness. Um, and then the other concept we haven't talked about is cowardice. Uh, what I learned in my reading is that courage is very complex because you would think superficially that the opposite of courage is cowardice, right? Which is to be consumed by the fear and then run away from the moment of truth, run away from the battle. Um, but courage doesn't actually have a perfect opposite because you could also make the argument that rashness or foolhardiness is also the opposite of courage. And so rashness and foolhardiness means um, embarking on risky behavior, but without a full accounting of what the actual risk is and without a good, worthy, moral purpose at the other side of it. Uh, so the extreme example would be somebody somebody who's playing Russian roulette for the entertainment of others. You cannot say that that person is being brave or, or courageous by playing Russian roulette. Yes, they are, are embarking on risky behavior, but the, ends of, the end of their behavior is what completely nullifies it as an act of courage. And I think, yeah, I want to underscore the point that you made, like that the end of whatever that act is has to be a virtuous act. Otherwise, 
you could embark on an activity that you understand the perils of, but it is actually an act that's amoral. So uh, you cannot call uh, the uh, the activity of uh, a terrorist as courageous, or the activity of a thief or a criminal. They may de- they may demonstrate, and you and I have struggled for what the word is: bravado, bravery. They may demonstrate boldness, but it's not courage. Courage requ- requires as its target, as its aim, as its trajectory, virtue. That's correct, and so that so that brings out the second attribute of uh, of courage. The first one being that there has to be a perceived sense by the person who's doing it, perceived sense of fear, appropriate fear, and the second attribute is that the ends have to be a moral end or a just end or a virtuous end, essentially. So I think um, beyond that, um, I don't think it necessarily has to be a physical act. It can be an emotional one. It can be a mental one. Uh, it doesn't necessarily even have to involve uh, like the, the most of the things that we discuss is uh, another person. Uh, you could be do a courageous act just by yourself that deals with your life per se. So, to give you an example: if uh, say you are a you are a, uh, a physician who's just starting out, and you hear from from a societal perspective, do you know that these are the things that you're supposed to do? You're supposed to expand your lifestyle. You're supposed to be uh, crushing it and generating as many RVUs. You're supposed to be buying a big car and you're supposed to be living in this big house. Send your kids to private school or whatever. You know, attach whatever you want to it. Whatever societal expectations are, but you decide. You know that if you do not uh, do these activities. Um, you might be considered to be um, living on the fringes of society. You be some. You may be casted out. You may be uh, thought of as miserly or different or weird or add whatever adjective you want to that. But you do. You, so you do understand the 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 stigma that comes with maybe living like that. Um, but you still proceed with making the right choice because at the end of it, you want to live a life that is virtuous, that is temperate, where you're not spending too much of that money or spend or spend too much time on luxury, which is temperate in a way that you're also spending time in other pursuits, uh, pursuits that actually help build virtue um, in yourself. Uh, you're just, you're just towards your family, to the patients that you're seeing, so that you're not just generating a bunch of RVUs just for the sake of making money, and you're also not spending too much time away from your from your kids and your and your wife and your parents, and you're spending equal time with them you're also showing justice towards a community where all that you're doing is not working for a prof- for-profit institution where you're spending time uh, and pursuits toward your community as well and so uh, you know that act that act of actually unhinging from society also requires courage and none of it is necessarily an act that uh, a spartan would have to do at the hot gates it's not as it's not as graphic as that but that also requires courage right courage uh, has degrees, it seems. I mean, I think there's certain acts that require a certain, a small amount of courage, and there's other acts that are going to require very large amounts of courage. But the act of building your own sense of virtue, acting courageously when the opportunity arises, is something that feeds on itself on your path to developing your own sense of virtue. And so, going back to the, what I was originally saying is. You, when, you, when I break down courage, the three components, and again, a lot of this is informed by the reading that I've made philosophically. So the key pieces are 
first, there must be free will and freedom. There must be volition, meaning you are acting of your own free will. So there's no coercion with courage. There's no mandate with courage. Courage is something that you're doing above and beyond a sense of duty. Um, it's something that you're acting above obligation or duty. So that's the first part. Second is there is some danger, some risk, some peril, some burden, some harm facing the actor. So that's the second part. And then the third part is there has to be a benefit to somebody. And the benefit, the beneficiary could be you. But if the beneficiary is somebody else or the greater number of people that this act helps, then you could ascribe more courage to that act. And so the reason courage could potentially be measured, if you want to try to measure it, in terms of magnitude, you have to look at what was the degree of freedom of the actor. If the actor had no freedom to do anything else, well, then that diminishes the courage, doesn't it? But if you had complete freedom, if you had complete freedom to not do this courageous act, but then you chose through your own free will to do so, that adds weight to the courageous act. The other thing that adds weight to the courageous act is the degree of risk facing the actor. We have some situations where the risk is, you know, you make a bad money decision and the risk is that now you have to deal with it and contend with it. But sometimes we have to make larger leaps. And this happens in medicine all the time, reporting a medical error. Or if you see a medical error that was done by somebody else, that's going to take courage to disclose that, to talk about that. You risk professional friction. You risk being ostracized if uh, your effort to disclose, to be to have full disclosure is met with resistance, uh, at least or at worst with uh, anger or reproach. And then the third part is the degree of benefit. So if you're, if you're embarking on a courageous act because it helps you, that is courage. But if you embark on a courageous act that results in the benefit to hundreds, thousands of people, again, that adds weight to the courageous act. So we were talking about the degree of freedom of the actor, the degree of risk facing the actor, and the third thing was the degree of benefit to the person or persons other than the actor himself in terms of preventing harm or achieving good for others. Those are the three things that affect the magnitude of the courage. So the extreme example would be if you have complete freedom and you chose to risk your life for the benefit of saving the lives of thousands of people, that is a courageous act because the freedom was high, the risk was high, and the benefit, the altruistic factor was high. And then you can imagine that there's probably smaller versions of courageous decisions um, where maybe the freedom was limited. You know, you were constrained in the things that you could do or the risk to you was actually relatively small. I mean, it's it's not, we're not making, you know, uh, life for, for the most part we're not making life risking decisions on a day-to-day -day basis um, but you can still act courageously in small ways and so to me this example this way of looking at courage speaks to the current pandemic uh, because in a way social distancing uh, is can be thought of as a form of courage that we all have agreed to embark upon if we execute this right to limit the spread of the COVID-19 pandemic, we all have the freedom to make this decision, right? Whether you agree with leadership or not, they have said, okay, we want you to limit your social activity. So there's some freedom that we have as members of the community to make decisions regarding whether we leave the house or not. Uh, 
the risk facing the actor is really hard. It's uncertain, right? But we do know that the potential benefit if we comply with social distancing is that we potentially save the lives of many, many, many people. So to the extent that you can comply with social distancing, there is a degree, there's a modicum of courage there. I think the last part, the third point that you made about the magnitude of the effect, uh, rather than uh, saying the magnitude of the effect, which um, uh, rather than saying that, we should say the 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 magnitude of the morality of the effect. My act as a physician um, versus Nelson Mandela's act as a uh, as a revolutionary uh, are very different on the scale of courage. Um, uh, not just because his, his he has impacted more people, but it's the morality of what he was doing. Fighting for social equality, racial equality, far outweighs what I do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and uh, that's the point. That's the point I was trying to make. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely. And so when I said the magnitude of the effect, uh, I meant that as shorthand. Uh, the way, uh, what that, what I mean by the effect, specifically to unpack that, is the magnitude of the moral worth of the act. And so, we're, yeah, we're totally on the same page. So I guess if I had to define courage in one sentence, this is not as easy as it sounds, but I, when I'm learning about these concepts philosophically, I, I find myself starting with a very simplified idea, and then it gets very um, complex and large and bulky. And then I begin the process of deconstructing it and then distilling it down to what are the key pieces. And so the those three things that I talked about for courage, you know, the, the freedom of the actor, the risk to the actor, the benefit of the action in terms of its moral worth. Um, but if I had to define courage, this is what I wrote in my journal. It would be to act with virtue in the face of danger. It's specifically, it's deliberately vague. I just say danger. You could say hazard or you could say risk. It boils down to courage is that aspect of virtue, which means that you are going to be temperate, you are going to be just, and you're going to strive for wisdom, even if it means your life. And the only example, and there's probably many examples in history, and, and I really, I don't mean to sound insensitive to all those other examples, but the most prominent example of that level of courage and commitment was Socrates. And I've only recently learned and read the uh, Plato's Apology, but Socrates, gosh, that guy was, <laughs> the guy was just a philosophical, just, the dude was a living monument. I'll let you take it from here if you want, but tell us about the trial of Socrates. What was so special about this? So yes, that's right. So when he was, um, when he was implicated, what he was implicated was, was poisoning the minds of the youth of uh, Athens. Uh, it turns out he taught or influenced uh, discourse in courts in Athens all the time. But when the time came and he was convicted and he was asked to defend himself, he didn't defend himself. Everybody thought, oh, this would be the easiest thing for Socrates to walk out of. He could easily get in there and defend himself and nobody would be able to make a claim. And he walks in there and says, If you say to me, 
Socrates, this time you shall be let off, but upon one condition, that you are not to inquire or speculate any more. If this was the condition on which you would let me go, I should reply, men of Athens, I honor and love you, but I shall obey God rather than you. And while I have life and strength, I shall never cease from the practice and teaching of philosophy, exhorting anyone whom I meet and saying to him after my manner, you, my friend, a citizen of the great and mighty and wise city of Athens, are you not ashamed of heaping up the greatest amount of money and honor and reputation and caring so little about wisdom and truth and the greatest improvement of the soul which you never regard or heed at all? You accuse me of doing this, right? And you tell me that if I continue to do this, you will kill me uh, or you will force me to drink poison. But you also telling me that if I, uh, that I can leave, I can get out of this. I just have to promise that I will stop my ways. I will stop searching for the truth. It says just because of that, this is, I cannot accept this bargain. I am ready to drink this poison because I refuse to stop searching for the truth. I say that daily to discourse about virtue and of those other things about which you hear me examining myself and others is the greatest good of man and that the unexamined life is not worth living. And so they say, fine, and the, the, the powers that be love it. There was obvious outright corruption. And so they put him behind bars. But that's not the only thing. Like uh, Socrates had several opportunities to escape. As a matter of fact, there's a very famous dialogue between him and one of his, uh, his students. Uh, and the, the student comes in and says, you know, we have bribed everybody. We can just walk you out. And Socrates says, Be of good cheer about death. And know of a certainty that no evil can happen to a good man, either in life or after death. For which reason, I am not angry with my condemners or with my accusers. They have done me no harm, although they did not mean to do me any good. And for this, I may gently blame them. Still, I have a favor to ask of them. When my sons are grown up, I would ask you, O oh my friends, to punish them. And I would have you trouble them as I have troubled you if they seem to care about riches or anything more than about virtue. Or if they pretend to be something when they are really nothing, then reprove them as I have reproved you. And if you do this, both I and my sons will have received justice at your hands. The hour of departure has arrived. We go our ways. I to die. And you to live. And only God knows which is better. That is the courage there, right? Because he could have left. He knew that death waited for him. A painful death. They're drinking that poison and the way they've described what happens. It's a painful death and he understands that he still decides because he's living with virtue always a, in gu guided by virtue to go ahead and uh die uh and and look you know he was right with the fact that you and me in the 21st century are talking about a man and his the things that happened 
they only happened because he died for the cause. Right. So uh, what came from this, you know, his character, his commitment to the search for truth to the point of being offered life in exchange for no longer seeking truth, he chose death. Making that statement inspired Plato to write the Apology, to write all these things about Socrates, because it's in, the key part of this story is, so is that Socrates wrote nothing. He wrote nothing. We know about Socrates because of Plato's writing about his mentor, his teacher, Socrates, who is renowned as the prototypical philosopher. That's right. And so, you know, uh, to talk about the human aspect of it, yes, there are examples of courage. You know, like we discussed, like Socrates is one. You know, we've discussed Boethius' example, Boethius, I always get his name wrong. Boethius' example, Mandela is one, Mahatma Gandhi, Mother Teresa. There are there are examples of courage. There are human, uh, and as recent as this century, uh, where there are examples of courage. And so, Malala Yousafzai, you know, there are, there are I mean, there are examples of courage. So, the, the, these are courageous acts. There are things that they have done. And... But we need to understand, I need to understand that these are the paragons of this virtue. You know, I am, I am but a, sh I'm at best a, sh could be a shadow. And if I proclaim to myself that, no, I am courageous or my actions are guided by virtue, I just have to look at these people and realize that how am I saying these things? What are the, what is the, what is the moral impact of my actions? You know, and so coming back to the practicality of it, yes, I'm a physician. And uh, and yes, that's considered to be a noble profession. But are my acts courageous? You know, what is the moral impact of the work that I do? Stay tuned for part two of our Courage episode, where we will take a deep dive into purpose and the pandemic. In the meantime, you can check out more information at our blog at resiliencyrounds.com. Until next time.